You're tuned into The Investor Mindset, where we talk about everything real estate. My name is John Asher, co-founder and president of Confidence. In this show, I sit down with investors to dissect their strategies, explore how they are uncovering opportunities, and the various ways in which they're making a positive impact in the industry. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Investor Mindset. My name is John Asher, co-founder and president of Confidus. And today, we're going to have a real treat. So please welcome as our guest, Rob Richards, CEO of Key Living. Rob, how are you today? Doing great. Thanks, John. Good to see you. Awesome. Today, we're going to be covering innovation in residential real estate. Before we begin... And I have a lot of really good questions because I think you're right in the heart in the middle of some really, really cool stuff. Rob, I really want to know, think early to your career. And, I, and I'm really looking for kind of, you know, what was the defining moment where you thought, Rob, real estate is where I want to be? It was late in life, you know, <laughs> early in my career when I graduated from physics at Waterloo. You know, I worked in the engineering and, and you know, science industry aerospace and telecom and whatnot, but I owned houses. So I bought my first house within the year after graduating and I would renovate them, fix them up, sell them, move on to a bigger property. And in those days, and for the baby boomer generation, generally home ownership was such a great wealth building exercise. We'll build generational wealth with real estate. And that has evaporated for far too many people in the millennial generation, forget about Gen Z. So the lesson that I had in my tech career was that real estate was a great investment and it was a good diversification uh, from the risk of tech and from the risk of the public markets. I mean, I've been through a lot of recessions as, as you have, John, and you know, uncorrelated investments are, are generally a good thing to have in a portfolio with some diversity. And real estate, even though it goes up and down like other markets, it's generally always up and to the right over time. You can count on that. And it's, it's real property and humans need real property, at least for now. Maybe the metaverse is going to take over. And mm. We'll all be mm. bag, bags of water attached to a central nervous system at some point, like, <laughs> like in the matrix. But mm. and, until then, you know, having a, having a place to, to plant your feet and call home is a really solid thing. Funny you mentioned the, the metaverse. Uh, I can't tell you the number of questions that I get uh, on, on uh, if I'm investing myself, but you mentioned something that's really, really kind of important and I think sets us off to, to to start this discussion. You talked about early in your career, you know, what home ownership meant, what investing in residential real estate meant, yeah. and how that has changed for this generation. Talk to me about what are the challenges in the environment today? And from two perspectives. One is what you see the challenges for home ownership and the challenges from the investor profile. Great questions. I come at this from you know my last 14 years running a venture capital firm and private equity investing inside a big real estate developer in Toronto. So Toronto real estate and tech, that's been my kind of intersection. And observing through the 2008 recession and what happened when Wall Street blew up Main Street and it was a mortgage industry issue when subprime mortgages got collateralized, default swaps and all kinds of funky derivatives uh, brought down the, the industry and tightened uh, mortgage rules and 
started to really disqualify many prospective buyers, people starting out and people immigrating to Canada and the US. So, you know, new Canadians, millennials really got got shut off the property ladder. And I saw it in the condo business as we shifted from selling almost everything to end users to selling the preponderance of new product to investors instead of end users. So I, I really witnessed this firsthand uh, from both sides of the equation. I know so many people who, you know, nephews and nieces included, where the, mm-hmm. the dream of home ownership has just faded. You know, it's super important to look at the asset class and say, what's wrong here? How do we put in some systemic fixes for what appears to be a systemic market issue that's not going to correct itself anytime soon? Prices are rising faster than, than wages. Don't see that changing anytime soon. Even if we have a, a drop that we're experiencing now, it's still to, to levels that are way above what people can afford. How do we introduce solutions? And so I reached deep into my tech background where we innovated the software industry and changed the consumption model from where you had to spend millions and build a data center and buy a big piece of ERP and mm-hmm. take years to implement it till you could rent a seat for 20 bucks a month, right? It was a fundamental innovation when we went to as a service in, in the software industry. I thought, can we do a similar thing in res where instead of this incredible challenge where you've got to save for a big down payment and qualify for a massive piece of personal debt, mm-hmm. what if we could let you consume for that, you know, 20 bucks to seat a month kind of model, get in for a much lower uh, entry ticket and not have this massive capital commitment, but consume that as you're able to, as your income grows and as your savings grow. And we're just in, in such need of a new ownership model like this that's going to, I think, unlock the residential industry for both occupants and make it a better asset class for investors. So it's really kind of interesting. I mean, you see every single day the challenges for a first time home buyer, for uh, somebody trying to upgrade, add more space. Um, it, it's difficult. I mean, we've got yeah. double interest rate boundary tests for all mortgages. It's, it's very quite difficult yeah. over the years. Let's talk about the investor side. Where do you see the big challenges on the investor environment and sort of getting into the asset class or expanding their existing portfolio? It's really about balancing risk and diversification. You know, and a lot of people have done well, you know, buying one condo and renting it out in Toronto. If you buy at the right time and you buy the right product where there's there's demand and it's a good market with, you know, low vacancy and and lots of demand and demand exceeding supply. But it always goes through cycles, right? And, and so timing is so important in life in, in all aspects of life. As an investor, timing is critically important. And you can get in at a point where your timing hasn't been great and you can experience some cash flow issues. Uh, so if you're not prepared to weather those and just hang on to the investment as a return on equity for the long term, you can run into trouble. So you, you just need to be financially aware and prepared for the cyclic nature of the real estate industry as it is in all investments. And, you know, there's a lot of hassle in accessing the asset class. I mean, you know, people buy a pre-construction condo and it's pretty easy. You put down a deposit and then, you know, they give you a call and months later for your next deposit. Well, then all of a sudden it's occupancy time, right? And you've got to take delivery of the product and then you've got to find a tenant and do you hire a property manager? And what happens if you get a bad tenant? And, Amateur investors that have had good tenants have done really well, and they'll probably tell you, oh, it's not that bad, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the case in a, for a lot of people, thank, thank goodness. 
But what happens in a bad situation where you start getting, uh, you know, you have an eviction environment or you're getting missed payments uh, and, and it can really, really hurt you from a, from a cash flow sector. What happens when there's a pandemic mm. and all of a sudden you have, you know, 20 and 30% vacancy rates in the in downtown Toronto. So in the good times, when you've got a good situation and the place is pretty much managing itself, um, then things are great. And managing itself, it's all about, you know, getting somebody in who is going to treat the place like their own. I think we've all had those stories of the the one tenant situation that was not easy to deal with, and it probably overshadows the many tenants that were great. Okay, so let's talk about business models. There's a whole host of different models that are starting to emerge that I've seen throughout North America, the US, and, and in Canada. Thinking about those models, what are the ones that really begin to sort of like excite you? Like start to think about some of those problems that we talked about and are trying to solve those, some of those issues. Well, we're seeing on the investment side, a whole slew of new types of companies that offer, you know, small investments into a managed service, which then becomes the real estate acquisition vehicle for, you know, 10,000 people funding it at $1,000 each. And then you've got $10 million and you go buy a building on Queen Street and the building is cash flowing. It's a, it's a good property. The, the value is going to go up and the fund manages everything. So you're there as a passive investor in a piece of real estate. And we've had vehicles like that for a very long time where you have big pools of real estate, like multi-apartment REITs. Mm-hmm. They've been around for many decades and people have done well uh, investing in REITs. But now this, this new optionality lets you invest in a specific property or a small pool of properties. You can say, yeah, I like townhouses in Hamilton. And you can probably find somebody that's pooled together some townhouses in Hamilton and mm-hmm. making that available to accredited and sometimes even non-accredited investors. So we've, we've seen some evolution in the, in the rules of investing and in crowdfunding that's happened first and kind of venture in PE. Now it's coming into real estate in a very big way. And it, it's more optionality for the investor to say, yeah, I like the logistics asset class in Quebec and I can probably find a, a product that's invested in warehousing and data centers in, in Quebec. And so you're getting access to stuff you never would have had access to as an individual, which is pretty cool. And you're getting a fully managed experience that you has different levels of diversification, which is pretty cool. So you can start to you know make decisions with that choice to suit your needs and, and likes. So that's one really good innovation happening that it's just starting to take hold, frankly. It's a nascent mm-hmm. industry, but it's going to become massive. It's going to be trillions of dollars of asset class made available to the everyday investor in a wide variety of personalizable uh, vehicles. Very cool. On the ownership front, so now let's, the investors are being well taken care of. What about on the for that young person who's trying to get ahead in life, you know, plan to have a family and want that family home. And how do you get there? And how do you build wealth in, in today's very, very difficult financial market? The innovation there, I see more innovation in helping existing homeowners who've already built their wealth, unlock that wealth mm-hmm. or expand it to a second property. So there's lots of startup that do the equivalent of second mortgage, like a 21st mm-hmm. century version of a second mortgage product, maybe a little bit less fee heavy and, and more flexible, but they essentially put shared equity into your home. You get to take the cash and 
do what you want. And those are cool. A bunch of startups now allowing people to go in on buying second homes together, uh, whether they do it as a group of friends in a, in a co-ownership scheme or whether it's a, a managed environment for strangers like Picasso or whatever. There's there's lots of these types of, of companies uh, coming up. But those that's for people who've already made it and they've already owned homes and they're, you know, they're on their second or third or fourth home. What about getting people onto the property ladder to begin with? We've seen rent to own models try to mm-hmm. get traction over the years and been really, really difficult because of asymmetric risk between investors and, mm-hmm. and the occupant and they're pricing the thing at the beginning. And so there's lots of stiff penalties if you don't close. And, and these programs really have struggled to get any kind of real traction because trying to put a Band-Aid on fundamentally a real estate transaction environment doesn't work to get first-time home buyers into the system fairway. So I'm most excited about what we're doing at Key, which is obviously a little bit different than anything you've seen in the market, where it's a true change in the way that you can consume ownership on an incremental basis, but you're an owner from day one. You're not, it's no savings account. It's not a rent to own program. You're an actual co-owner from day one with equity, with the ability to make the place your own and with shared responsibility. And I think that last point, you know, is hard to overemphasize the, the psychological value and the economic value to both parties, the occupant and the investors who, you know, share on the equity of the of the house. So it's this it's this fundamental shift in the buying journey to an incremental co-ownership environment that I believe is going to change residential for the better for the many and allow you know millions of people who are stuck renting in North America to get on the property ladder. So let's talk about key because I think what you're doing, much like yourself, I love technology, I love data, I love all of that kind of stuff. And, and I feel like yeah. that is the the next step to either unlocking home ownership or unlocking investment quality residential real estate. And I think what's really interesting about Key is, you know, I think you're you're sort of like the first on-demand online co-ownership model uh, that's out in the marketplace. And you sit with a an interesting sort of spot because you're creating a two-sided marketplace. You're bringing together the ownership piece and also investor on the other side, which I find very, very interesting. Can you talk to us about just a little bit more? You've talked about the early entry for an investor or for a homeowner to be able to come into the key program, but just the next layer down now for key, like what is the big problems that you're solving? Now we're solving for the investor a way to ensure that they're going to have a worry-free tenant environment where they're going to have stable cash flows and way less management hassle and way lower risk. So these are important things. Again, as we talked about early on, you know, in an upside scenario, if somebody's had a good experience buying three condos and renting them out, they're going to go, well, why? Just have that one bad tenant experience and it's a very, very different question. Or go through a pandemic and, and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So what Key is offering people who own existing homes for rent is the fact that we're going to very quickly and very thoroughly find and vet an exceptional occupant for you because it's going to be an aspiring owner, somebody who really wants to take that next step in their life. And they're treating the decision very importantly. It's not a, not a transient renter we're talking about. We're talking about somebody who really wants to put down roots and build wealth where they live. 
and take on a shared responsibility for the property where they pay their pro rata share of fixing that refrigerator, or repairing the crack of the baseboard, or changing the furnace bill. So you're going to have a partner in there as an occupant, right? As opposed to some transient person. So it's a much, much better experience. Everything managed by key. You know, we've automated background checks, and integrated the entire fintech environment, and ping their bank account directly. So payments are automated. You never miss a payment. And you've got their capital investment on file, right? So they're they're committed and that money goes to you. So the way I talk about it is, well, okay, you can own 100% of four homes, but you could own 80% of five homes. You still own the same amount of real estate, but now you've diversified, you've lowered risk and you have more upside opportunity in the end. That's step one, what we're doing right now for existing investors who own rental properties, for rent properties. Where it's gonna go, you know, super, super exciting because we're going to see all kinds of, we call them propcos or organized entities, funds essentially attached to the platform. We already have one. We have a, we have a privately held REIT uh, in Toronto that buys condos for a living. And we're going to see a lot more of those that will then offer to investors an even more passive, lower risk way to get into the asset class. And now you're getting into an asset class that's powered by a strategy that's going to have owner occupants mm-hmm. and it's going to get incremental liquidity. And that's going to drive liquidity in the funds themselves and liquidity for the investors in those funds. Because right now that's the biggest challenge in real estate and getting into a fund type vehicle is how do you get out of that vehicle if it's not publicly traded. And so where we're going to be going is we're going to be seeing all kinds of attachment of these vehicles and a growing secondary market applicability for units in all these funds, right? They're going to start to trade on these digital exchanges. And so it's going to get super exciting for investors to be able to have choice, be able to have a range of type of asset and geography and all kinds of interesting things coming along with liquidity and and a fully managed low risk uh, environment. Can't wait for all that to happen. That's the next two, three, five years. I think what I find really quite interesting, and you know, the process the entire process, again, for an individual investor who might own a couple of condos, whether it be 5, 10, or, or 15, that a lot of the problems are always around you know, risk diversification, loss of uh, revenue from poor tenants or capital expenditure or, or eviction issues and all those kind of things. And every single piece of those that process and all those problems become very, very manual. Right, they, like everything that has to be done, it's very intensive kind of work. I think what I'm, what I have seen with Key and what I quite like is so much of that process. The underwriting is kind of it's automated, it's done. The programs themselves are set. I do find it quite interesting. Can I flip over to the home, uh, the prospective homeowner or the the tenant side? What has their reaction been? Like when they come in and they see the key experience and they see the product that's on the other side and the units, like what's their response? Because, you know, as an investor, we represent people when they're leasing, you know, it, the question is always who's on the other side, right? Is this yeah. a quality tenant? And you offer something so totally different because of the ownership becomes intertwined. You know, you're creating that moment where people can love the unit that they're in, which changes the yeah. dynamic. So can you talk to us about who are you seeing on the other side? Who are your, your prospective clients? John, there's, there's quite a broad demographic. We have 20-somethings. We have 50-somethings. 
We have people who have gone through a divorce. We have people just thinking about getting married, having children. <clears throat> we have some young families and a real diversity of background. We have newcomers from four or five continents, every possible line of diversity you can think of is well represented. That's Toronto, <laughs> one of the most diverse cities on earth. And I think what our residents share in common, the common thread is that they can't wait to own a piece of the rock. <laughs> they have been thinking about it. They've been planning. We have one school teacher, you know, saved up 50 grand over the years. And mm. she watched as her 50 grand was lowering in value relative to how quickly she could add to it relative mm. to the down payment that she would need to live in the city where she works. And she wants mm. to live where she can walk or, or use the TDC to, to get to work. All of our residents, I think, we'd say the, the common theme is that they're at a point in their life where having an investment in the house that they occupy that grows with that asset that responds to their nurture and their care in terms of value creation or value destruction is just so important to them. And we have frontline workers in the food service industry. We have people in healthcare and education. We have people in finance and IT and we have an architect and like all kinds of and range of incomes, you know, from kind of 60K to, to mid hundreds. So very, very diverse. But the common theme is these are all aspiring owners who really want to own. They want that financial success. They want the psychology of ownership. And that drives a commonality for investors saying, wow, you've got, you've got really good, stable you know, partners living in these units. Take great care. We had two move-outs only in our first 14 months of experience. And both of those were because of change of job or family where they had to move cities. And we didn't yet have product in Ottawa or Kitchener. We're working on, on both markets. And both of them also love key and, and would gladly be in another key home if we were in. Kitchener and, and Ottawa, and we will be soon. It's a very stable environment. And even upon those two turnover conditions, we didn't have to lift a paintbrush. I mean, these, these homes were spotless, right? Mm -hmm. And no investment. And when you're a landlord and you know you get somebody moving out, you're typically into a few grand of, of repairs, whether it be turnover. painting or the floors mm -hmm. or you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. So that cost of turnover, the just the, the happening of turnover and having to fill with a new a new person and, you know, pay, maybe pay a leasing agent. I mean, these, mm -hmm. these are real costs. And so if you have more stable tenants that are probably going to be longer tenure, they're going to cost you less if they do turn over and they're going to treat the place like their own and share in the repair costs, keep costs down. That, that makes a big, big difference. Okay. I have two more questions. There has been, um, there has been news around the role of the investor and uh, in the over sort of like environment, right? Between home yep. ownership, renters, and investors. And you know, my view is well, that- No, Blackstone is just <clears throat> investing in a new HQ in Toronto. That's all. The news is all a Twitter about that today. I saw it. And I really kind of yep. feel like there's an ecosystem here. And a, you yep. know, when there's a balanced ecosystem, everybody wins. But from your perspective as an investor and where you're sitting and, and you know, really having the pulse of the, the tenant or prospective homeowner, how do you feel investors can help build stronger communities? 
give people a chance. I'm not saying that in some kind of altruistic way that says, you know, give us your money and you'll make half the return, but you'll be doing social good. No, no. Do better economically too. Do as well or better economically, but use your capital in a way that people can work alongside it and be treated on kind of the same terms, like co-investors, right? If you're an investor in a fund, everybody else invested in the fund is treated equally to, to you. That just makes perfect sense. Why wouldn't that be the case? Well, why is it the case that in most residential real estate, capital isn't aligned and that investor capital is actually keeping our people locked out of participation? Think about co-ownership. Uh, think about where your capital now is letting the occupant invest a little bit, right? A little piece, and then you know grow that piece over time, which comes to you. So you're getting incremental liquidity to expand your portfolio, right? So it's a it's a good way to kind of sell incrementally on the way up and use those funds to to reinvest. And it, when you do that, when you make the decision, the conscious decision to say, okay, I'm going to put my home into co-ownership, or I'm going to invest in a fund that's attaching to a platform like Key or something else. When you give that chance to that person in the community, wait till you see what happens to the community at large. It's a very different city when you have towers full of renters and nobody knows who their neighbor is month to month because they're renting to another person who's subletting to someone else. And there's no psychology of attachment and investment in community and place. And you change that to communities where everybody's an owner, even if it's just a, a little bit of the pie. Wow, community is much more vibrant. People spending more time and money and effort and volunteering where they live. You'll see talent being retained as opposed to being hollowed out and going to other markets where they can afford to own. You'll see higher education uh, outcomes. You'll, you'll see a more vibrant community fabric in the neighborhoods that adopt co-ownership and get more people on the property ladder or more people investing where they live. And, and I think we can really change the narrative that's happened over the last few decades where we do have a massive hollowing out of community fabric in places like downtown Toronto. You, you talk to like Generation Squeeze, talk to the Toronto Community Foundation. Their number one issue, number two is affordability. You know what number one is? Isolation. Hmm. People just feel isolated living in these 40-story condos where everybody's a renter. And so we got we to change that narrative. And you as the investor can drive that change and not sacrificing anything. Frankly, you'll do better economically. We'll show you that your net operating income will go up six or seven points over time. And you'll eliminate risk of, of bad tenancy and missed payment. So all of that, plus you're, you're doing this incredible, subtle at first, but eventually transformational thing in turning our neighborhoods back into communities of owners. I think that's a great message. I'm not even going to ask my last question. I think that's a great way to end off. I know we're probably up on time. I haven't even been watching because I've been enjoying this discussion. So Rob, thank you very much uh, for joining us today with the Investor Mindset. I'm going to be following up with you uh, personally myself because I want to hear more. Thanks, Thanks a lot, John. everybody. <laughs> thank you very much for joining us today.